We have a new partner to the podcast, Luminate Advertising. They're an award-winning advertising and marketing firm, and their brand resource director, Mary Tilger, is a personal friend of mine, and I encourage you to contact Luminate Advertising just to make your company shine if you need any graphic design, copywriting, printing, radio spots, trade show displays, digital marketing, promotional products. Everyone wants to represent their company just a professional manner, so call Mary. She has a great marketing ear. She can help you out. Her phone number is 303-460-8703. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. All right, today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we welcome... Oops, start over. Today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we welcome Dave Sanderson back on. Dave, how are you, my friend? John, I'm outstanding. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. And Dave, you were just... Um, we initially, I think, met through some friends of ours at halftime. And if people don't remember Dave's story, it is unbelievably, it's just inspiring. He was one of the survivors of U.S. Airways Flight 1549, the miracle on the Hudson. And you have really, uh, through that experience, you were in New York City. And, you know, I really encourage people to go back and just search Dave Sanderson on the website or go to davesandersonspeaks.com, learn more about this. But, you know, you were rocking and rolling. You had your business career and you were uh, in the high tech world. And all of a sudden this happens and everything changes. But you use this which for a lot of people could have been a real tragedy to really just reframe how you're thinking and how you're doing things and, and to really evolve. Uh, this is really almost this, this uh, tipping point for you. But the thing, Dave, that you've been doing, and I'd love to get an update in the last year and a half, if you've been out and you've really been sharing this with people, because I know your heart, man, it's awesome. You're out there to teach, train, equip, and empower people how to take this experience that you went through, make some changes in their own lives that allow them to look at things in a way that actually launches them into a better future. And, you know, a lot of people, it's hard to do. We were, I love what we were talking about before um, we started talking. You know, some people feel like they're in a depression, which, you know, a lot of people look like as an illness. But if you look at it as just a state that you're existing in, you can change the state. Um, it, but there's a lot of things that you've been doing, Dave. So I'd love to catch up and just share with the uh, with everybody listening. Who I know they loved your story because we got tons of comments before. Really, uh, you know what's been happening in the last year and a half. What have you noticed? By the way, congratulations if everybody saw the movie Sully. Um, Dave, you were in that movie, right? I was honored to have a cameo in the movie, and thank thank you, John, and thank you for having me back. I'm I'm honored and uh, humbled to be back with you. So yes, I had a cameo in the movie. I was very honored to be able to be a part of that and meet uh, Clint Eastwood, which is uh, it was a tremendous honor on my part to meet someone like that, a legend like him. Oh wow, I bet that was pretty cool. And very cool. He, uh, hey, like you said, he's 86 years old. And he does one take, and let's get on with it. So he doesn't mess around. He, uh, <laughs> I guess he thinks he doesn't have a lot of time to mess around. So let's <laughs> let's get it done, and he does. I'm really impressed by that work ethic. Well, catch us up. I would love to see some of the things as you've been out sharing. Uh, actually, maybe let's start with that. You know, if you kind of look at the core of really 
what you've learned through this whole experience. What, what would you share with people? Yeah, thank you. I, I still I, I still speak over 100 times a year, but what, there's a lot of things I've learned over the last uh, few years since uh, we, you know, since this has happened. Number one is uh, it's helped me prior, reprioritize what's important in my life, and I think that was probably the most the, the most important and biggest thing has changed. Where what I mean by that is where I would I was in a tech tech field. I was traveling four or five sometimes days a week. I was missing a lot of activities at home, and I would schedule my schedule around work instead of my family. One of the biggest things has changed is I prioritize my time around my family now. So uh, if there's a family event versus a opportunity event, the family is going to get the first nod, which is a totally radical difference way to approach things that I'd never done before. So that's number one. Uh, number two is the things that I've learned and applied um, and it's, that's, that's evolved tremendously for me where it's not only led to a book that was released uh, a year ago called Moments Matter. And it, uh, it came about uh, happenstance because, you know, I was talking about my former assistant and she really asked me to do this, this recorded my story for my grandkids. So uh, this story will live on. And then we realized there were some lessons out of this that, that people could use and apply and, so all of a sudden, these twelve lessons came out, which um, of in my book called Moments Matter. And because one of the things we realized, and how we came around the title is, uh, I, I I I thought about it as like you know all these moments in my life that I didn't think had any value, all of a sudden became very important. Not only that day, but you know through my life and after. Such as you know I was I talk about you know when I was on a Boy Scout trip trying to get my Order of the Year award back when I was twelve years old. My dad yeah. dropped me off, right? In the middle of nowhere, and I, a bunch of guys I didn't know, and I had to survive. But one of the things we had to do is we had to swim across a river uh, with our backpacks on to get to the other side so we could complete the next task. And I look back and it's like maybe that was the, you know gave me the the certainty to be able to do what I did on the plane that day. Is I wasn't scared of jumping in the water and swimming with my clothes on. So that's how the, the title Moments Matter came. So you know Which, when you think about that concept though, that's that's fascinating. Um, how do you, when you share that with people, how do you help them connect to maybe some things in their own life to prepare them for either things that they might be going through or might, might possibly go through in the future, Dave? When I, when I speak now, you know, I, I don't only share the story, but I, I start developing some of these concepts around my book around leadership, teamwork, persistence, awareness, and I'll ask a question of the audience. And now I'll share a story such as my story about being the escorting general Norman Schwarzkopf and how, how that all of a sudden opened a whole nother avenue for me on, on a different approach to leadership. So also then people come up to me and share their moments with me and I, I sort of help them expand that. So that that's, that's really been one of the biggest, um, I hate to use the word benefits, but blessings that I've had is interacting with people who all of a sudden that light comes on is, says, you know what, maybe you know, maybe I don't need a plane crash to have something change in my life. Because what I talk about now, John, is everybody in their life has their own personal plane crashes. And you know, it may, it may be a fire, a flood, a health scare, whatever that may be. And so you're going to have that critical moment in your life. And it doesn't have to be a literal plane crash. But what do you do with it? And if you look at it as, oh, oh pitiful me, you're going to take a whole different approach to saying, how can I add value or do something different with this and help somebody else? It's all in the questions you ask yourself, um, and this is, which is called your internal dialogue. And I help people 
develop a new internal dialogue and what they focus on. And so those are really the two things I try to get people focused and do in my talks and to take it to the next step with them. So you said you help people focus on an internal dialogue and, and what, what to focus on? What they focus on. And I'll give them two instances on from that day for me and, and Captain Sullenberger where well, as we were descending into the Hudson River and Canley, I, I think along with most other people didn't think we had, a, had much of a shot. You know, the questions I was asking myself was reinforcing, you know, I'm going to be going to a better place. I, I, it was a positive reinforcement instead of saying, why me? And so the questions I in my internal dialogue was still positive as we were going down. Then I'll share with them with Captain Sullenberger, how he managed his state and what he he what he focused on is how to how to land land that plane on a river with zero fatalities. So he had to manage his state through the, what his power of focus and. If you've seen the movie Sully, you'll see that play out um, in the movie Sully if you've seen it. So there are some strong references on uh, all the, the questions you ask yourself and what you focus on will all of a sudden attack the meaning that you attach to something, which produces your emotional state. You know, when somebody's in, you know, some of these life events, right, because they happen constantly, they're going to happen to every single person listening to this. Sometime this year in 2017, probably multiple times, those, you know, we have those triggering events in our life. And, and you're right, there's almost two narratives. We can look at this as, you know, from almost a, a fixed mindset, Dave, where this is proof that this situation that I'm in is kind of meant to be. And it's not a situation that's really serving us well. Or we can look at this as say, you know what, this is some, this is a, a, a scenario, a situation, a, a pro, an event that I'm going to learn something from. I'm going to grow through to prepare me for something better in the future. So, you know, at each moment, we have a choice that we ha that we get to make. Um, sometimes we're not aware that we're making that choice. But if we start slowly making that, you know, changing that internal dialogue and actually focusing on something different, um, what can happen is we that allows us it, it gives us the permission to grow and evolve toward moving into um, something that's just much more fulfilling or uh, enjoyable. And the first thing I think you have to do that's a very good way to say it, John, is you have to become conscious of the meanings you attach to something. Where you know if you've always had a negative approach. Uh, to some the, the events in your life, no wonder you're going to stack that to a point where you can't get out of it, and it, it's going to be self-fulfilling, you know, prophecy to yourself. Where this can be just the opposite, likewise. You know, I, I talk about, I wrote a blog about this, about well, how how pilots do what Captain Sullenberger did is do what's called mental modeling, and basically it's played out in the movie once again, which I was really happy to see because it gave me a reference for what I was talking about in my blog, but. You know, they go back to a point where they've seen this before and they put themselves in that state where, you know, I've seen this before. So, you know, I have, you I know have it's interesting you it. say that because um, when I was going through uh, Navy flight training, when we were in the, the training command, Dave, you had no idea when it was going to happen. You didn't know if it was going to happen every flight. But all of a sudden, the instructor would just yank the throttle back and just say engine fire or engine failure. And you immediately... You know, you're in the middle of, you know, terrain, trees, mountains, hills, power lines, you know, you're above it. 
and you immediately have to switch into that mode of how do I put this airplane down safely? So we would sit there, I would sit there and say, okay, if that just happened, what am I going to do? And I would do that before I got in the plane. And that is something that I have done um, in my career. You know, I'm, you're just kind of reminding me of this, you know, cause, because that triggering event, right? Something happens, right. somebody pulls back the power and says, you're on fire or... You know, you just hear, you know, you're, you just got diagnosed with cancer. One of my good friends and clients just got diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, how, you know, what is that first thought, that feeling, that reaction that you have to that? And if you can start anticipating some of these in business, somebody comes up to you, something happens or with your wife or your husband or with your kids, um, how do you kind of look through that process to really that outcome that would serve everybody the best and then start shaping how you react to a situation, how you're thinking and feeling in that moment so that the actions that stem from those feelings are serving you as, you know, the best way possible. No, I, you said that's a very elegant way to say it because it reminded me of what Tony Robbins taught me years ago. He teaches all of his audiences. It's just not me, but I remember having a discussion with him about this is, when you have something like that, a triggering event or a traumatic life event, whatever you want to call it, it, you know, don't see it worse as it is. Don't see it better as it is. See it as it is and take massive action towards it and put yourself in a positive mental state of certainty because, as you know, being in the military, and that's why I think a lot of them, that's why I so honor the military so much, is, is uh, in, in a time, in most uncertain times, a person with the most certainty all of a sudden becomes a leader. And it may be a corporal instead of a sergeant or a lieutenant or a, or a captain who has that certainty in that moment of uncertainty. And that's what happened that day on the plane. And, and that's how I, I try to help people get to that point where it's all about having certainty. And you can see it played out in the election where, you know, you saw the, the candidate who won came across with certainty at all times. And people were looking for certainty in this election. Well, yeah, and now let's look on the other side, right? Sometimes, yeah. you know, the election results for a lot of people were a total crisis situation. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. It was fascinating, and I really want to dive into this. And, you know, uh, the, and I work with a lot of veterans that have post-traumatic stress. And so a crisis situation can drive us kind of as almost into that dark place, that negative place, where that internal dialogue is not serving and supporting us. Uh, there's no growth happening. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. We're kind of shrinking and pulling away. Now, when you went through this crisis situation where you, when, when I'm sure as you were descending down and the water was getting closer, everybody on that plane thought that, you know, this is the end. Yes. Um, but now through, not only through that crisis, but what happened afterward, you experienced growth. And I would love for you to kind of share um, about what led to that and how other people can, through crisis situations, experience the growth that you have, Dave. Well, thank you. And um, I, I'll start off by sharing. The, I've had the honor to go to places like Fort Hood in Texas. I've had the honor to go to Oklahoma after the tornadoes. I went to the eastern shore of North Carolina after Superstore Sandy. And one of the benefits I get now, John, is I get to talk to people. And what I find out is it goes back to the meaning people attach to that event is you know, a lot of people go into a depressed state. And so what happened and how everything started changing and evolving for me was 
I started talking to people about there's a lot of people in a depressed state. I'm like, well, why didn't I? You know, uh, people told me that I was going to have depression. People told me it's got PTSD. People told me that I'm going to need therapy, but I didn't. And I kept asking myself, why them and not me? And I asked a different level of question. All of a sudden, I started putting the pieces together. And that's how I became up with, you know, being able to, the, the approaches I took to grow instead of, you know, going into a depressed state. And I looked at it just like you mentioned earlier and we discussed. I look at depression as a state and any state that can be changed. If you look at depression as an illness, as some people do, and it may, they may have that illness, they, what do doctors do when they, when they you know, prescribe an illness? They go to drugs, they do other things instead of looking at the root cause. And it may be just the way they move their body or what the meaning they attach to that that produces that emotional state of depression. So I started talking to people and helping people with giving them my strategy. And fortunately for me, um, AARP Magazine approached me about doing an interview about how did I grow from this uh, traumatic event instead of going into depression like so many people did. And I started sharing that strategy with them. Kaylee, first I thought I was too young for AARP Magazine. I didn't know what, why AARP would even want to talk to me. But it became very apparent because I was a I was a model I was a model for that, and they saw that through my work with the Red Cross and helping them raise money, and for their disaster services and you know help them raise over eight million dollars over the last few years and they're like how did this guy do this, and uh, so they introduced this topic called PTGS to me, and it's really the opposite of PTSD is how does one grow from a traumatic experience instead of going to a depressed state, and all of a sudden I started sharing my strategy in this article. And um, now it's, it's sort of evolved to where when people need need help, I just spoke with a young lady um, probably about six months ago I spoke to her, but she survived the uh, the, uh, the landslide over in, in the Himalayas and half of her camp perished and she got out and she was feeling guilt. Why does she survive and everybody else die? And I said, I told her, I said, I can relate because one of the questions I got after the plane crash in Buffalo was, why did they die and I didn't? Mm-hmm. And I had the same. I said I had the same sort of guilt, but I, the approach I took is it wasn't my time. God had a different plan for me, you know. And and that's I and I took it from that perspective because I I always ask myself, you know, an empowering question, and that's different from asking yourself why this happened to me. So I just flipped the script, and that's it's, it's that simple. I just flipped the script. And and Dave, what role did your faith? play in looking at this from a you know a growth standpoint for yourself as you went through this well i think faith played a tremendous part because the as we talked about in the previous interview the weekend after the plane crash i went to my church and i spoke that was the first time i ever spoke in public but i had a lady approach me and said i was questioning there's a god i don't believe in miracles but you or physical evidence that there is a god and he does miracles yeah and that was a big impression on me because it's like you know, I am maybe people look at me now as, you know, I am a physical evidence of a miracle. And now people start believing. So it gave me, it was like my my minister and I talked about it. It wasn't a solid appall for me. It wasn't like my, I went blind all of a sudden, my eyes, I see everything. It was just a star, strong reference that everything that I grew up with, my family instilled in me and going to church and Sunday school and God and country award and everything that I did was a strong reference that, you know what? There is a God. He used me, and now he's given me a pathway, and I've got to help other people who may need to see that. And maybe they look at me, and I can help them in many different ways. And now it's how to grow from a traumatic experience, where previously it was more like a maybe a, a symbol of a miracle. And maybe it's all that and above. I don't know. But 
I'm very honored to be able to help anybody I can and share these uh, share these strategies I've done and used. And what are some of those strategies? You know, if, you know, if you're yep. sitting down with somebody, you know, we have a lot of people right now that, you know, the politics in America are changing. There's a lot of things. We have an international audience, people around the world. And I'm sure there's a lot of people. This is, you know, uh, we're recording this here on on January 3rd. This is the new year. This is going to come out soon. And a lot of people are looking at how do I make 2017 better than, you know, 2016 and 15. And, you know, what have you noticed that you would – really like to share with folks? Well, the one thing I realized, you know, during the plane crash, I'll just use that as a, as sort of a, a lead in, you know, I, I didn't have much control over anything. You know, the only thing I could control was my mind and how I managed my state. And it's really up to each individual person on how you do it. And there's three ways to do it. But in the first strategy is I, I tell people is, you know, manage your state by one of three ways or all the combinations through your physiology, the way you move your body, the questions you ask yourself, your internal dialogue and or what you focus on. And that's the first and primary way I, 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 I talk to people and the strategies that I used. And I'll give you a reference. I was, uh, it was a, we were on Good Morning America. I was, a, it was a, myself and a bunch of the other passengers and Captain Sullenberger and the crew. And it was one of those, you know, everybody come together and all that kind of interview. And we were in the green room. I was first time I actually, I actually talked to Captain Sullenberger, but there was a gentleman from the plane crash was in there and he came up and basically stopped everybody and said you know i never want to see you people again i've lost my job this has been a terrible situation for me and i don't want to be a part of anything anymore with you people and he just stormed out and first thing i thought is and this guy had been on the plane with you that's right so wow what what a contrast to your the outcomes that you had and so as the meaning he attached is totally negative, of, you know, why this happened to me? I lost my job. Nothing's positive about this. Even though, by the way, you've got your life. You're with a group of people now who can relate to you, can help you if you really reached out to them and be a part of this. And, and you have so many ways you could help people. He took it as a negative. And I've, we've never, he's been taken off the Yahoo group that I, we're all involved with. But that was the first instance that sort of told me there's a lot of people in pain out of this. Where I, it was, and so it came to the second point, the strategy is the meaning that I attached and what I do attach. And there's still times I attach negative meanings to things. And I've got to get my mind right. Uh, because as you said, everybody's going to have go through that traumatic experience sometime in their life or this year. But it's the meaning you attach to it. It will produce what kind of emotional state, the interactions you have, the outcomes that you come with is the meanings. And you can you can change essentially change what you, you know, your meaning towards the way you build a positive and empowering, you know, uh, strategies to what you do with the meaning and essentially change the meaning outright. And you do that by a tool called a technique called reframing, like you mentioned earlier. And and I'll show what I show is a picture of the plane in the water, people see that as like, that's great. But then I show a picture of God's hands bringing the plane out of the water. It's like, I reframed it to that. It's like, that's the meaning I look at it. So now how can I help people? And I have, I can have a visual impact to be able to do that. So those are the first two strategies I use managing my state in one of three or all combination and the meanings I attach to it. Well, yeah. And you know what? Uh, you shared with me a picture. You shared your story with somebody and they were an artist, and they kind of drew a visualization of kind of what they heard, what they felt when you shared that story. And I'd love to get a picture of this and put it on the blog yep. post for this episode. But 
could you describe that a little bit? You showed it to me on the, yep. the video here and man, it was, it was powerful, Dave. It was powerful. And I shared my story and, and I, I made a reference where, um, you know, Captain Sillenberger's life has changed dramatically likewise to the point now where there's a movie about his life. And I said, I, look, I think people look at him and I look at him as like it's the captain's captain. The guy who's, you know, who, who pulled it off, who could, you can look up to as a guy you could pull it off in that time. And so what the, the gentleman did is drew a picture for me and named it the passenger's passenger and a picture of me coming out of the water and over a globe, which is based in the, what you see is basically New York in the globe. And where God's or Jesus's hand is reaching down and grabbing my hand, and I'm grabbing onto the, grabbing onto the Hudson River, in the globe, and it's uh, it's making that connection between you know God's hands were involved with this, but it's up to me likewise to do my part. So it's a it's a very powerful. I carry that picture with me everywhere I go. Yeah, that that is an amazing picture, especially you, you think of just God's hand and everything and. Like what I went through, you know, get, getting thrown into a fence, and you know, it's not something I should have survived. And and you yep. know what, there, you know, there's a lot of things we go through, especially survivors like that woman you talked about who survived the landslide and other people didn't. Um, you know, it, at first when I looked at that, you know, for myself, I almost felt like I had this burden, like something to live up to, like why, why me? But as I shifted and I reframed that to a perspective of just deep gratitude that, you know what, I am here. I have this powerful second chance to live differently, to have a uh, an amazing relationship with my wife and my kids and live differently. So I, um, you know, how I show up in the lives of people I get to touch is something that has a positive impact that moves them forward. Um, and, you know, and this is a way to um, pay it back with joy for what you know what God did for me while I'm still here and so I realized I had this second chance and then you know I was sharing that with a, a good friend of mine Dave and you know he said you know I would argue that every single day each of us has an opportunity for a second chance when we wake up the question is are we going to embrace that which pathway are you going to take and that's uh and that's what I think that's and that's why I use the plane as a reference again for pathways because um, I think that day, I don't know if I shared this with you on our, our previous conversation, but you know that day on the plane when some of the top of the seats broke back, all of a sudden there were a number of different pathways opened up the people on that plane to exit the plane. Yeah. Where my strategy was, and I was thinking myopic, I have the, I'm be very candid. My my view was get to the aisle, get up, and get out. Where all of a sudden, people other people saw a different approach. Where when the seats, some of the seats broke back, they could climb over seats. All of a sudden, you have five or six pathways out. And I think that was a strong reference where God gives you pathways. Which path are you going to take every day? Every you know, every day you wake up and you have God opens up a pathway. Are you going to take one path or another? And and all your your destiny is going to be determined by which path you choose that day. And you know, you've talked a lot about you know the le- the leadership lessons that you've learned through this. And you know, leadership is you know if you have influence over one or more people. And we also talk about, you know, the fact that we get to lead organizations. And, you know, we define an organization as two or more people with a common purpose. So that could be a marriage, it could be a Bible study, a ministry, it could be a company, it could be a nonprofit. There's a lot of things. 
And um, I'd love for you to share some of the leadership lessons that just you you have seen that have really equipped people through what you've gone through, you know, lead better or lead differently, Dave. Well, I, I'll share a couple that I talk about in my workshops and in in, uh, in, my, in some of my talks. Um, first, I share this a lot with athletic teams because I think that, uh, you know, it, it applies a lot to that, especially around leadership and teamwork. So when I was with Captain – when I was with uh, – General Schwarzkopf, and I ask him a question, and it's, you know, you're with a four-star general, and you're one-on-one. It's pretty intimidating. I don't care who you are, um, unless you're the president uh, who, can, who, can, who can command you, I guess. But when I ask him that question about, you know, how did you win the war, and he gave me his answer, and I tell people, I think what I've learned over the last several years is everybody's got their pat answer. I mean, you get it down, you get asked so often, you just have your answer. But it's that follow-up question is, how did you really win it? He looked at me. It's like, no one ever asked a general second question. He sort of looked at me. It's like, audacious. You know, it's like, how did this young man ask me a second question? But he said, I'll answer it. And he gave me his answer about, you know, he had to, every so he, day. So he said that to you, that I never get asked, asked yeah. a follow-up question? He said, no one ever, he looked at me, he said, no one ever asked a general second question. And so first I was taken aback. Like, did I overstep my bounds? <laughs> but, then he said, I'll, but he said, I'll answer it. And he gave me his real answer, right? And I think that's that was what opened my eyes is, you know, maybe I was audacious, but at that point, I was with a four-star general. I wanted to get a strategy, you know? I mean, this guy won a war, you know? So he gave me his answer, and his answer was every day I'd come to work in Saudi Arabia, and people would come to me with their problems. Every day I had to solve problems such as the women couldn't, couldn't drive tanks in Saudi Arabia. They had to pray five times a day. They had to cover their heads in burqas. And I kept reminding my troops, how does this contribute to kicking Saddam out of Kuwait? And every day said I had to reinforce with my troops the mission, kicking Saddam out of Kuwait. And all of a sudden, I start thinking about that. I'm like, well, now that answers my question is, why didn't he go to Baghdad? Just clean this thing up because that wasn't his mission. And he was focusing. He had to, he had to be congruent with his mission in front of his troops. So I fast forward that to folks, the 2009, as I mentioned, when I first met Captain Sullenberger, one on one, Good Morning America's Green Room, and we were back again, ready to go someplace else, doing this little tour thing. And I went up to Captain Sullenberger and said, "You know, I thank you for everything you did, but can't tell me how did you pull this thing off." You know, I wanted to know his strategy, and he said, "I had a mission." to get that plane down with zero fatalities. And I looked at him like, man, okay, I heard this before, right? I heard this before. So something, success leaves clues. Yeah. So I put things, start putting things together. Like the two, two, a general and a captain who does extraordinary things tell me the same thing. Focus on the mission. Their leadership style was setting the mission, getting people focused on the mission, executing the mission. So I talk about, you know, the prime, and especially athletic teams, set the mission. And look, and, and once you set the mission and keep reinforcing it to people every day, all of a sudden it becomes ingrained and they just do it. Um, and I shared, like we said earlier, you know, a leader all of a sudden becomes the person who in most uncertain times, the person with the most certainty becomes the leader. And it, it, it may not be the captain. It may be the, the, the corporal, maybe somebody who's, who's a bench player on the team, but all of a sudden there's the one so uncertainty and all of a sudden people are looking to them. And that's what happened in the plane that day is that people were looking the the leaders and there's the people who are stepping up giving direction in times of uncertainty. So 
That's one of the things I talk about in leadership. Well, I think that highlights something really powerful, too, because one of the biggest challenge uh, challenges of leadership is, you know, leading in times of uncertainty, leading in times of ambiguity. And when you really have clarity of that vision, kind of the, that mission like you talked about, even though, you know, the landscape is dynamic and it's changing and the people involved, you're not exactly sure what's going to happen or how they're going to react. But if you have almost kind of like that true north, that that right. that direction that's guiding you forward, and then you can capture everything to, is this going to service toward what we're trying to do? Because if you get lost in the moment of just trying to solve all those day-to-day problems, right? Like General Schwarzkopf mentioned, if he got yep. lost in just trying to solve all those problems without context, there's no way he'd be the the person we're talking about today who was so effective at what he did. Exactly. And I think that's a lot of what's going on now in, in the country is people are looking for people to set, give certainty for that direction and that mission, whatever it is. I think people would have followed anybody who gave a mission in their direction uh, with certainty. And so when I talk to leadership and teamwork, that's really one of the things I talk about is, you know, is step up. Set the mission, get people focused on the mission, remind them every day of that. And the second part of that is check your ego with the door. We're sometimes let the people with the best talent for that certain circumstance handle it. And that happened that day on the plane where some people needed to step back. I'm sure there are some people who were CEOs of companies on that plane, which I know there were, who had to take direction from other people who may, may not have had ever had to do that, but were best equipped in that moment. Hmm. And I think that's a true art of leadership. Likewise, is checking your ego at the door, letting the people who have that skill set handle it. Where you know, when I was with Oracle and, and selling, you know, one of the things I would tell my folks is I would I have no problem, you know, uh, letting other people do the things they do well, but let me do what I do well, and that's setting the direction and getting the setting the mission in front of everybody, and let, let everybody ex- execute. And that's how I won so much in, in sales. Is because I did that, and I could build rapport at the highest levels and let other people do what they needed to do best. So that was the second part of that, uh, checking your ego at the door, which uh, was well served that day on the plane. Yeah, I think when we lead from a place of humility, which is really Christ-centered leadership, um, it, it is probably one of the most powerful and underestimated places to lead from, and it's something we need more of. I, I, I think there's a huge leadership crisis, and as leaders can move more toward having clarity of their vision, leading with humility and love, you know, trying to really uplift, equip, and empower other people, the results that they can have, the results my clients get when I'm coaching with them and we bring that into how they lead and into their culture, um, what it does, it really creates a unity in the team, in the organization, in every time we've gotten to that place of like unity is where dramatic results really start to happen in an organization. And, right. And, and Dave, you know, for people that you talk to that are like, you know, hey, that sounds awesome, but I, I don't know exactly what my mission is, what I should be focusing on. What do you share with them that helps them with that? I share the story that happened to me back in 1994, October 4th, actually. I remember the date because I, I wrote it down. Is is when I got total clarity of my mission. Um, I wrote my mission statement. And that's directed me every day since 1994. Now, there have been days, John, I want to say, I haven't veered off of it. But when I go back, like you just said a moment ago, when it's a term I've used, true north, go back to that, go back and look at it and ingrain it and know it. 
every time I've done that, I've served myself and served other people at a higher level. So first thing I would do is I would, I would go, I would figure out what my true mission on this earth is, write it down, ingrain it in yourself, memorize it to the point where it just comes off naturally. Because one of the things I've learned, especially since, since the miracle on the Hudson is those who have the humility to prepare will have the confidence to execute when that moment comes. So you got, you got to prepare. And part of that preparation is knowing your mission and ingraining that mission. So when times get tough, which we'll all have those tough times, you know, you can always go back to that mission. And, okay. This is why I'm doing it. This is how I'm going to do it. I've, I've done my preparation and now I have certainty and or confidence. I can pull this thing off. I love that. That's a huge value piece right there. I wrote this down. Humility to prepare gives you the confidence to execute. That that's a that is a great quote. Well, I it's something that I learned, you know, right after the plane crash and someone told me that and I can't get I don't know who didn't give credit to, but I, I ingrained that into me because it's I think it's true. You know, I the times I've done outstandingly well in my life is is when I prepared and when I didn't want to prepare. Yeah. And um I I I show this video and you may have seen this during the Olympics, and they showed it during the I just saw it in the Olympics when Michael Phelps is doing those laps and it's dark and he's doing those laps in that pool, right? And it's like just him. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he has 24 gold medals or whatever. And it's like that video really hit me, <coughs> excuse me, because he was doing those things where no one else was thinking he was doing. He was, he was getting all the glory, but he, it wasn't glorious. And that's why you have that humility just to. Be you know do the things you need to do to make sure in that moment you you have the certainty you can pull it off and that's why Michael Jordan was so revered you know when he wanted to take that last shot he he prepared he was totally prepared to take the last shot so give me the ball and that's what he's well known for in winning six championships yeah he sure was well you know Dave as we wrap up what just final thoughts would you would you like to just leave with everybody who's listening I just I would say just take this year and. Focus. Get your number one. Get your understand what your mission is. Set. You know, I don't do resolution. My daughters asked me the other day what my resolution. I don't do resolutions. I I've got my mission. I have my outcomes. But know your mission. Number one. Number two. Uh, invest in yourself. You know, take that time to do personal development. And I tell people every year I set personal development goals for myself, whether it's seminars or whatever I do, is to make sure I can improve myself every year. Um, whether it's through what I talk about, whether it's my health, whether it's my finances, whatever it may be. But uh, invest in yourself this year. So when, like we just talked about, so you'll prepare yourself for when your critical moment comes and it will come and hopefully it won't be you know, devastating, but you'll be able to handle it and because you've done that work, you've done that preparation. So that's what I would probably leave with uh, with the audience and focus on growing this year. And that's what my whole message this year will be about is growth. Growth. I love it. And I love this conversation. We need to have you on again before the next year and a half. And Dave, I know you're speaking all over the world. You're, you're touching lives. You're, you're doing a lot of workshops to equip companies and athletic teams and the military. And, you know, if people are interested in talking to you about that uh, or just the material, your blog that you're putting out, how do they get in touch with you? Well, I'd be honored. And uh, if they just go to my website at davesandersonspeaks.com, you can you know, I have a contact me button. Please do that. I'll, I interact personally with everybody who does it. There's no filters anymore. It comes straight to me. But, you know, every uh, you know, every every day we do something on Facebook at Dave Sanderson Speaks. That's sort of my bigger message, my 
and my Twitter accounts, Dave Sanderson too. If you would go check me out there, that's where I do some my my quick uh, my quick thoughts and where I'll be. And but LinkedIn is where I really start developing my my business strategies and sharing that more in a business format in some of these things. And what you're seeing now is the, I write a weekly blog about some of these topics. About uh, you know, this last one is about hope and. You know, based on what I saw in Rogue One with my son about rebellions are built on hope and rebellions don't have, don't have to be physical rebellions, they have to be internal rebellions, but you still have to have hope. And, and that's what uh, the kind of things I talk about now on LinkedIn about how you can apply that in your business. Uh, Dana <laughs> Sanderson. That's awesome. I'm going to go read that. I haven't read that one yep. yet. I'm going to go read that and uh, probably link to it on our, our Facebook page too. And Dave, thank you so much for your time today. This was awesome. If there's anything myself or our community can do for you, please do not hesitate to reach out. Well, thank you very much. I'm honored and uh, may God bless everybody. And hopefully everybody has an outstanding 2017 and help somebody else's uh, build their 2017 to a better place. Awesome. All right. Thank you, my friend. Sure appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. By the way, if you're a regular listener to Eternal Leadership, could you give John and I a hand? Could you give us a rating and review on iTunes? It's how most people listen to podcasts and ratings and reviews help bump us up those charts. The higher we are, the more people that will stumble onto us. If you don't listen through iTunes, rate and review us on whatever platform you listen, or just share it with someone that you think could really benefit from our topics and guests. Thanks. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. <laughs>